a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. College Football Podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton Pole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, week four is in the books. A month of college football. We have made it to the quarter mark. We can start. I think we can really reasonably start to settle into, okay, this is who Team A is. It's not settled. It's not complete. It's not finished. But I think we can start having... Uh, genuine conversations about this is who somebody is. No, I agree. Um, you know, we're going to answer a question here in a minute. Once, uh, once we're through this about most disappointing and most, you know, uh, most impressive team so far, um, or I'm sorry, biggest surprise um, so far. Uh, and we're, you know, like you said, we're a month in, we are a third through the season. Um, and I do feel like, I do feel like I know, I do know a few. I do know a few teams. I feel pretty comfortable about a few teams. Um, I still have tons of questions about others, um, but I do kind of think, unfortunately, or I'm sorry, fortunately for us, we are a month in and we have had 25 top 25 ranked teams lose in the first four weeks of the season. So one more time, that's 25 top mm-hmm. 25 teams that have lost. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean like that. That's that doesn't mean that we have a whole new set of top twenty-five. Sure, sure. Of course, we we, we just have twenty-five teams who have been ranked in the top twenty-five this year lose over four, over this four week. That is. That's, so does that count Clemson twice? I don't know. It was just it, it was just a stat that I had. I saw Bill Conley come across with today. Yeah. Anyway, like I just I, I this has just been a very 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 interesting year so far. It. I mean, you know, I'm. I have been I've been kind of weary of bringing up you know I know other talking heads have brought it up and I've been a little I've been a little worried about bringing up the 2007 season which was if for those that don't know is historically one of the craziest college football seasons ever where I think we ended up with 13 different number two teams in the country at some point in time uh, we had more upsets than any other than any other season prior to and after. And it really, dude, it really does start to feel like we have a, a 2007 season ahead of us. Um, with, that was with the, the year for App State, right? Yes, that's App State. That's Boston College. Um, that's uh, that's also USF um, with Blake Bortles, the Immortal. Uh, no, that's UCF. USF oh, was um, was um, they had Carlton Williams, number 32, playing safety. Um, they had number 18, Cedric Hill, playing tight end. I can't believe that I remember this. Um, and I can't remember their quarterback. Uh, but, yeah, th- it, was, it was just a freaking crazy year for um, college football. And and we're, we're kind of – we're kind of rolling into that territory, man. Like, I, I don't really know what else we can say, you know, outside of that because it's, it's freaking nuts, right? All right, so, well, we can continue this. So who's – you want to start with surprises or disappointments? Let you want to read the readers first or the listeners first, or you want yeah, to see yeah, ours? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. All right, here's the listeners. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for those who uh, who answered. And this time, I'm actually going to remember to read Cody Dan's answer. Um, since last week, I said, "Hey, Cody reads and he loves our show," and then I didn't even share <laughs> his top five. Um, so first, we have Brendan Parker. Um, 
uh, friend of the show, listener, said disappointment for him was Oklahoma or Ohio State. Um, his surprises was most definitely Arkansas, and he can't wait for the game this Saturday. I can't either, since I'll be there. Um, uh, Cody Dan, um, who I've spoken to you about uh, as being an avid listener, uh, most impressive to this point is Arkansas. Pittman's second year without co- without COVID, and this team has went from bottom dweller to a decent team. I don't see them beating Bama or Georgia, but they are not the Arkansas that you looked at in the schedule and scoffed at. Uh, most disappointing was Clemson. Too much talent in year-to-year pedigree to look like this. The season has been validity that they win because they play in a weak conference. Not saying it's true, but they aren't helping the narrative. And then lastly, uh, his wife, Caitlin Dan, um, the one who you enjoy the fact that she made fun of me. Who, uh-huh. Sorry, she makes fun of me. Uh, no surprise, just proud. Go dogs. A little controversial take here. Her disappointment is Alabama. They've allowed too too much against uh, she she's they, they've allowed too many points to be scored by crap teams. <laughs> They're overrated, and I'm ready for the dynasty to fall. Um, I look that doesn't sound like she's disappointed at all. Well, she's disappointed that Alabama. She's disappointed by like she thinks they're she thinks they're overrated, and they've allowed too many points to be scored. Um, by she's by disappointed crap. that they're overrated. Yeah. Um, I don't agree with that sentiment. <laughs> like, as far like I think this Bama team's really good, but, but, um, like I, I think I think this year has definitely shown that there are some holes. There, there's def this Alabama team is definitely not a perfect team. Um, but uh, Spencer, you go ahead. Uh, give me your biggest biggest surprise so far this year. So for me, my biggest surprise is Clemson because nobody talked about this. You're all. talking about, and you're talking about in a bad way, right? Like, right? Yeah, no, okay. of course. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, every, I mean, it was all off season that hey, here comes you know Clemson's going to be right back in it. We're expecting maybe some hiccups because of DJU and and getting back together, you know, and that sort of thing. And there wasn't a ton. Maybe there was some, but there wasn't a ton of conversation about hey, this offensive line, like. I feel like the issue we are harping in on right now for Clemson is like personnel stuff and they don't have personnel things as good as their roster is. There's plenty of five-star people around. There's like this idea that the offensive line depth isn't great and that their wide receiver room's not super versatile. And I don't recall, and maybe nobody really foresaw it becoming the issue that it has become. Uh, And so maybe that's some of the scheme stuff that has been touched on a little bit as well, but, um, I'm very surprised with how uh, with how much trouble they're having there for uh, you know Clemson, and it's one thing to struggle in Week One against what is expected to be a really good team in Georgia and expected to be a really good defense and those things, but the way that it's continued has just been this feels like it came out of nowhere, and the conversation around what the issue is feels like it's something that maybe we should have seen coming a little bit more. Yeah. And maybe, maybe people did and they just didn't harp on it. Yeah. So, so like, like Clemson is everyone's obvious and I'm sure like here, here's, here's why I I don't say Clemson. It's, it's, you know, and look, this is everyone's opinion. Like, so who cares, you know, if it's different, but for me, when you look at what Clemson lost, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, their defense is still elite. Like they're still a top five defense in the country, for now. Yeah, for for now. 
but 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 for argument's sake, their, sure. their situation is is not defensive. It is it is offensive. But if we look at what they lost on the offensive side of the ball, and they weren't even expected to get Ross back because people thought that he may never never even be able to play again. Like uh, this could like this could have been seen in some regard as happening, and also they lost to what possibly could be the best team in the country in Georgia. And then they lost to a team that should be undefeated at NC State at NC State in double overtime. So it's not like they lost to to garbage teams. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah, yeah, of course not. Like, and, and so for me, when I was assessing this question, and I kind of just came up with this question, you know, this morning, and we talked, you know, you and I talked about this. I, I actually think that my most disappointing team this season so far is the Iowa State Cyclones. Sure. They returned everybody they returned almost every like everybody the whole team came back whenever um when campbell announced that he was staying the whole team came back brock purdy Brees hall xavier hutchinson all these guys come back to take you know take take a flight in this in this conference they struggled against northern illinois they or northern iowa they lost to iowa in breathtakingly awful fashion they they handled UNLV, and then they lose to Baylor and pretty much got manhandled by Baylor. But here's the thing. In their two losses, they have outgained their opponent. <laughs> Get this, Spencer. They have 386 yards more than their two opponents that they lost to. Mm. 386 yards. So to me, when I think of most disappointing teams – I, I, I look like, yes, Clemson can be can, can get the argument for, and I understand that because of how, how high-level they recruit and everything, but losing lo, losing Etienne, losing Lawrence, losing um, the, the other wide receiver along with two offensive linemen who were elite, like, you can put together this, you know, you can put this puzzle together to say, hey, they may slump this year. But Iowa State was returning everybody. And they were facing off against an Iowa team who, yes, I know, has, you know, it has an elite defense, but their offense is hot garbage. Hot garbage. And they and they got like the stats, the, the yards may say they have more yards, but they looked absolutely abysmal. Yeah. And go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, I, I think uh, Iowa State's a, a reasonable answer. I think you could look at Utah and say what I, mean, I thought this was supposed to be a very similar situation for Utah. Everybody's coming back. What is the issue? Um, we've so. So what yes. was your, what's your biggest positive, though? Your like, well, I don't have a positive. You asked me for some biggest surprise and biggest disappointment, and so surprise was Clemson. My biggest disappointment was I didn't. I thought Mackenzie Milton and FSU were going to be in a much better spot than they are. I didn't expect four and zero or zero and four, and I was disappointed because I kind of bought into it a little bit. Uh, bought into Mackenzie Milton, and it's going to get turned around and. Here's going to be – I expected that situation in Florida State to be a lot better than it is right now. And I'm also disappointed that I. it sounds like Mike Norville and his staff are making it worse by overthinking the situation, uh, thinking too much about it. Uh, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but Jay Sean Corbin in the game against Louisville took – uh, had 159 yards rushing and 14.5 yards per carry. He only carried the ball 11 times. Yeah. How, how do you how do you screw that up? I mean, yeah. you're 
you're getting back into the ball game. This guy is a big part of that. How are you not riding the high? So I was really disappointed for, for them. I, similarly, uh, as I was thinking about this, I, I took and said, you know, it's kind of a lot of the ACC. I'm disappointed in Florida State. I'm disappointed in Sam Howell and, and Matt Brown. Uh, and then down there in Miami as well. I've been disappointed with, uh, with all three of those programs who you kind of thought may start to elevate the ACC a little bit. And the ACC could use it with Clemson sort of taking their step back, which is totally understandable to a degree uh, because yeah. they've been at the top for so long. At some point, you take a step back. Yeah. And so the ACC could have used it. So I, I'm disappointed there. So just to, just for clarity, if this wants to help you help you a little bit, I whenever I was saying biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, I was looking at one positive, one negative. A team that caught you off guard positively and a team that caught you off guard negatively. Oh, yeah. and, and, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. So, look, when it comes to biggest surprise, a lot of people are going to say Arkansas. And, and look, and I get it. But, like, I you, you struggled against Rice. You beat, you beat a Texas team at home who is, who had, whose quarterback got hurt in the game. You then, you know, handle Georgia Southern. You beat a Texas A&M team, Texas A&M team on a neutral site that was starting a backup quarterback who we have kind of realized is, is not very good. And, 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 you know, after that game, I called you Sunday and I said, I, I don't think I underestimated Arkansas. I think I overestimated A&M. And so whenever I reflect on that, I, I do think Arkansas is a good team. That is not what I'm trying to get at at all. What I'm saying is, is whenever I think of, biggest surprise in a positive way i'm actually going to go a different direction and i don't even think you you would have guessed this i'm going to take the wake forest demon deacons as my biggest surprise they are they are only allowing 14 points a game right now spencer that's that's good for top 10 defense in the country they are putting up points uh, sam hartman has 961 yards and nine touchdowns already in four games they are fun to watch. I've I've had a chance to watch them the last two games. And yes, look, I'm not saying that the opponents they play against are that great, but they're beating the crap out of the opponents they're playing against. 42-10, 41-16, 35-14, 37-17. And when we think of Wake Forest, no one thinks, hey, this team can play defense and this team's really good on offense. And if we're going to give Georgia credit for beating the crap out of the teams that they're playing with their lackluster schedule, then why can't I turn around and be impressed by a team who's, you know, in some ways, beating the crap out of the lesser opponents they're playing. And so when I look at Wake Forest, man, like they're the team that I'm most impressed with right now. From a most impressed, like, in, yeah, so a most impressed standpoint. Because they didn't get a bunch of transfers the way Arkansas did. Yeah. And, and again, that is not to belittle Arkansas. That for this exercise of most impressive and most disappointing, like I, I've, I've, got to, I've got to split hairs, and that's all I'm doing here. I don't know if I have one to be honest with you. I mean, okay. in terms, I mean, you took you took Wake Forest. It kind of, I, I agree, sweeping uh, Arkansas, kind of uh, sweeping them to the side. I mean, I guess it's kind of cool to see Ole Miss can continue. You know, they almost them and Arkansas both came out so hot last year. You kind of thought, well, maybe there could be a cooling down uh, afterwards. And sure, Ole Miss has a lot of similar pieces, so you're not super surprised necessarily by them. So that kind of eliminates from that, you know, frame of the conversation. But yeah. in terms of trying to pick somebody, I guess maybe Iowa. 
Not a lot of people were talking about Iowa. We know they have a good defense, but I don't think we were talking about them getting 51 points off of turnovers and yeah, uh, you know cool. playing the way that they've been playing. Absolutely. Now, I don't think either one of us think that's sustainable, but no. but you know we'll, we'll talk about in a minute how sustainable that is. Um, no, I, I think this is a good exercise, and we have a, we have another conversation to have next week, which I'm excited about. Just a random question of the week. Um, Spencer, let, let's just kind of jump into this. Um, there's so many games that I want to talk about that I would love to talk about, um, but I, I really kind of just want us to talk about the important games of the weekend. Um, you know, Georgia beats Vandy. They, they have ridiculous defensive numbers. You know, great. Same for Bama. That's great. But I want to talk about – first of all, tell everyone how we did on our picks. Uh, I went seven and four. You went six and five. We okay. had differentials on the Kentucky South Carolina game. I I had Kentucky and won that one. We had differentials in the West Alabama, uh, West Virginia, and Oklahoma game. You had mm-hmm. the Mountaineers. I had Oklahoma, so they won there. And then you had NC State beating Clemson, so I missed there. I want to say there was one other differential that I won that gave me the edge. But I think maybe it was just those two there at the bottom. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think that's how we differentialed. Okay. Um, so let, let's just jump to one of the games that we already mentioned, the West Virginia-Oklahoma game. Look, all right, Oklahoma won. Okay. That's fine. But I, and I think you'll agree with this. I was on the right side of that pick because West Virginia played much better than Oklahoma did. Oklahoma just had a couple more five stars to finish out the game. Like, I'm wrong. Like, Oklahoma won at home. Okay? And Spencer Rattler got booed and called for his backup throughout almost the entire game. Yeah, nobody has been – everybody has been very disappointed with Oklahoma fans for that. Yeah, I'm really disappointed in that. However, I I guess what I mean by not being wrong is, like, I'm not wrong that this Oklahoma team is broken and there will be someone, someone soon, who will expose it. Who, who can expose it because I thought it was going to be West Virginia. It probably should have been West Virginia, but they just, they could not get it done at the end of the game. Um, yeah, they certainly had opportunities. Yes. And that's where I'll sort of, you know, push back a little bit. Yeah. You had, they had opportunities and they didn't come through with them. Yeah. Now, no. whether or not Oklahoma took advantage of opportunities, maybe that's left to somebody else's interpretation. But West Virginia certainly had oppor- opportunities, and they missed out on them. There were, I think there was three or four kind of big ones that they highlighted uh, there towards the end of the broadcast. It's like, okay, they missed here, here, and here, and it was, uh, you know, that was a big part. And that's, you know, that's one of those things about Neil Brown's and what his is this his third or second, second or third year, third or fourth year. So that's one of those moments where you start to grow up in those moments, and maybe that'll be a learning spot for West Virginia going forward of like, okay, you know, against good teams with a lot of five stars, sometimes those opportunities are going to come and uh, you have to make sure you capitalize on them. There's only a few opportunities that come. You got to make sure you capitalize on them and um, they weren't able to, but I I agree. West Virginia is right there in the thick of the big 12 and Oklahoma is not far and away ahead of anybody. If anything, they have slid backwards and, um, in terms of their offense, at least they got to figure out a way to to be better offensively. That's almost a surprise. Why is Oklahoma not able to run the football? What, where's Dude. that? Where's that coming from? And also, where is their defense that was supposed to be so elite that you and I both were so excited about seeing? You know, 
well, I think they've been good so far. I mean, they obviously only surrender what thirteen points to West Virginia, so I think they've they've maybe been a a big piece in keeping them in some of the ball games that they've been in with Spencer Rattler being so weird. They rank roughly in the twenty twenty two range. Yeah, that's certainly of, lower of, than what we were expecting. But totally, and, and, yeah, you're right. You're right. I I guess I just. I was expecting like, wow, right. you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. No, I agree with you. Okay, let's, let's We were move. expecting a lot more wow from Oklahoma, offensively and, and defensively. Yeah. Um, my hesitation offseason, though, was Rattler, and that continues to stand. And I don't – like his stat line, you would not think that based on his stat line, 26 to 36 for 256 yards and, you know, essentially uh, uh, the, I think the game-winning touchdown. No, no, no. It was, uh, it was a game-winning drive, and they kicked the field goal to win. But – it's not about it's not about his stats that he puts up. It's about the mistakes that he makes at the absolute worst opportune moments. Yeah, and and I think I, I yeah I just I just have issues uh, with him, and it will continue to have issues with him. But I do agree with what Josh Pate said. If Caleb Williams was good enough or ready enough, he'd be playing. That's um, there. You made the distinction right there. Ready enough. Ready is he ready? Is Anthony Richardson ready to take over the UF offense? No, he's not. But Caleb Williams is not ready to take over. He might be better physically. He might have all the physical tools, but is he ready? Does he have the system down? Is JT Daniels' knee ready to play for University of Georgia in 2020? No, it's not. We have to keep waiting for it to be ready. Ready is the key word. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so the, the the big game of the weekend was Texas A&M versus Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, one of the big games. Um it really did look like opening early on. It looked like it was going to be kind of a blowout because, like Texas A&M, I can't, I can't remember if Texas A&M gets a big stop or if they get a fumble. I think they get a fumble early on in the first quarter. They have a chance to drive to get points, and then they turn around and don't get anything. And Arkansas quickly gets a field goal, and then, and then they stop Texas A&M because Calzada looks lost. This and like looked lost the entire game. He was 20 of 36 for 150, 51 yards, average of 4.1 yard, two yards per per attempt with one interception, QBR of 29.9. Holy crap. Um, and then there's essentially this onslaught between in the first half where we have Arkansas scores two really big touchdowns. Um, we have an 85 yard touchdown pass, I'm sorry, 82 yard touchdown pass to Traylon Smith. Um, I'm sorry. 85-yard touchdown pass to Tra- Traylon Burks. <laughs> Sorry, these guys have names. Yeah, there's there's a couple of odd, yeah. yeah, very similar uh, names. <laughs> uh, Traylon Burks for 85 yards, and then and then turn that around. There was a uh, a t- another touchdown of 48 yards by AJ Green, not the Georgia great AJ Green, um, that kind of sparked them going into halftime. They're up 17 to three, and then and then adjustments are made. And KJ Henderson Jefferson gets hurt in the third quarter. Texas A&M scores a touchdown. Um, had ample opportunity to score more. By the way, uh, they had ample opportunity the whole game to score more. To score more, and they just they couldn't. They they couldn't really get anything going. Isaiah Spiller has a great touchdown run um, of sixty seven yards, and and has some really cool had had some really good moments. But man, it, people are going to look at the score. People are going to look at the highlights and say. Arkansas beat the crap out of A&M, and I, I don't 
I don't know if that's necessarily what actually happened. I not think accurate at all. Okay, thank you. Like, I, I thank you. I, I thought I was being a little too negative, no, no, but like, not. but like, I really, I don't think it was this thrashing, this this, this beatdown. What I think actually happened is that Arkansas caught Texas A&M slipping on on that first opening pass of the 85 yard touchdown pass, and then the touchdown to AJ Green. If you go watch it, three different A&M defenders literally do not tackle him. They it's like they don't even try to tackle him. He does not run them over. He does not stiff arm them. They just like don't. They, they're trying to do a Todd Grantham shoulder tackle that he used you know that he does with his DBs. Like just the shoulder pad. We're not going to wrap up. We're just going to hit you with shoulder pad. And, and you know, and he gets a long touchdown, uh, touchdown pass. I, but whenever I look at these stats, KJ Jefferson had 212 yards passing. He only completed seven passes, Spencer. Seven passes for 212 yards. But two of those passes, or 120 yards of those passes of, of those yards, come on two catches. Explosiveness like, is the name of the game. Yeah, and, and and all the credit in the world for having explosive plays, but when you're looking at when you're looking at metrics and you're looking at truly the narrative of the game from a statistical standpoint, you you really only had two big plays offensively. Their defense was was swarming. You only had two big plays offensively that won you this game. And if a And M a And M can just put even just get field goals together, like I think they win this game. Because there, there were just times where Ar- where A and M kind of figured out what Arkansas was doing, and so like, what do you think? I, I'm I'm talking too much. My bad. So Arkansas averaged nine point eight yards a carry in the first quarter, and then two point nine, three point oh, and three point eight the rest of the ball game. Texas A and M absolutely figured something out. They were slowing down the explosiveness of the Arkansas team. Uh, you mentioned the two pass plays. Arkansas scores on their first three possessions, field goal, touchdown on a one-play 80-yard drive, and then scored on their second possession. That was the the four plays, 82-yard drive. And then from there, uh, three plays, one yard, 11 plays, 65 yards. That ended on downs, one of one, five for eight, three for 10, seven for 17, five for 30, nine for 42, six of 17, or six, four, seventeen, and seven for twenty-seven. Uh, there was a field goal in there. Nine of forty-two uh, ended in a field goal after an interception on AM. So yeah, no, this was not a great offensive exhibition from Arkansas. Uh, it was a really great defensive exhibition. But when you flip it over to the other side, Calzada looked lost. Calzada was not ready. Cal- Calzada was not. He wasn't seeing the field the right way. So Arkansas never had to find a second gear offensively they never had to say okay we've got to readjust we've got to figure something out because they probably sat back and said this is over we've got our three big scores and calzada is not able he can't keep up they showed a graphic of they put the camera behind calzada and there was a moment where he missed a zone throw to the tight end and it was there it was a boom boom kind of play but it was there for a second, and then it closed really quick. A dialed-in quarterback makes that throw and completes that pass down the field, move the chains, first down, all those things. But he holds on to the football because he's hesitating, he's thinking too much, he's not ready. So yeah. the difference, I think, in this ball game is obviously the explosive passing game, and then uh, Texas A&M just doesn't have an offense right now. They don't have a complete offense. They don't have a quarterback who's ready. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're broken on offense. They they look lost at times on offense. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, KJ Jefferson had a fumble as well in this game. Um, for the season, he has he has six touchdowns and two interceptions. He has thrown for fifty nine percent of fifty nine percent completion percentage uh, on the year. Um, I they're they're passing. I don't know what to think. They're passing game. We'll, we'll talk more about them as a whole in a minute. Uh, once we break down these other games, anything you want to add about Arkansas? Good for Sam Pittman. Like you own the state of Texas. You you did something no one thought you could. Barry Odom runs a very interesting defense with three down linemen dropping eight pack into coverage in a zone coverage. Um, and you know we'll, I'll talk more about that here when we preview the Georgia game. But but yeah, um, good for them. Arkansas only scored three points after halftime. Um, Arkansas yep. made adjustments. Arkansas figured out how to slow things down. KJ Jefferson did have to leave that. It certainly made an impact. Um, but Malik Cornsby is very talented and can run a lot of the uh, same stuff, maybe with a different twist because he's you know more shifty or whatever. But he's just as athletic, or he has he is his own athletic at the quarterback position, uh, like KJ Jefferson is. So running the the same offense through him is should not be in, incredibly difficult. Um, so yeah, no, uh, Texas A&M figured some things out, but they couldn't figure it out on offense. And um, explosiveness is the name of the game in 2021. Um, Texas, uh, Arkansas had it. Texas A&M didn't. And you're absolutely right. Good for Sam Pittman. Good for Arkansas. There's a lot of guys still on that team from a handful of years ago when they were getting their butts beat and embarrassed and slip-ups against teams that they shouldn't have had slip-ups against. You know, the, the punt with North Texas or whoever yeah. it was. Yeah. You know, all those th- those guys are still there, and so it's an emotional moment to to beat Texas A&M for the first time in a long time. And uh, so nine yes, years, right? Yep, nine, yeah, I think nine is the number. So good yeah. for them. <clears throat> okay, um, then the, the game that we I felt confident in, um, and like I understand that I got a couple of ro- couple wrong, but I was dang dead right on this one. NC State upsets Clemson. At, at NC State in overtime. Um, it, Clemson continues to have an elite defense, but they lost Skalski for, I think, just for the game. They lost Brzee for the year. They may have lost um, Shipley for the year as well. Three or um, four weeks. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, three, I, three I, or four I, weeks. I that, that did come out today. Okay, cool. I, I do. I, I, the injury looked bad, um, so I'm glad it's just three or four weeks. That, um, came, out on, that came out on Tuesday. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, today's Tuesday. Um, but but exactly what I was talking about before. Devin Leary, two thirty eight with four touchdowns. Ricky Pearson, ninety one yards rushing. Uh, Amika Minzi, uh, fourteen reception, one hundred sixteen yards and one touchdown. There was just more offensive firepower from NC State to eventually get into a position to win this game. Mm-hmm. NC State was not scared of Clemson. NC State took advantage of moments when they when they needed them. Um, I mean, heck, it it took everything Clemson had to get. It, I think it was literally a third or fourth down for Clemson to score in the fourth quarter to tie the game, uh, to go to overtime. And uh, DJ DJU, like he's just not the guy he was last year. Um, they don't have guys on the outside like they did last year. They don't like the offensive line though is a huge problem. It is just such a problem. We already talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, Spencer, I just like. I'm, I walk away more impressed by the NC by this NC State team that I do disappointed by Clemson because 
like NC State should be undefeated. That Mississippi State loss is just such a was such a weird game, and I hate that for them that they're going to have this loss lingering over them. Um, well, and it's a non-conference, so I mean, there's still a ton of goals out in front of them. Yes. Um, but but yeah, no, I mean, as long as they can stay healthy, um, that's been a big problem for a lot of the ACC too. Yeah. Uh, NC State particularly stay healthy. Devin Leary was hurt at times last year, and um, and so that that changed up some things for them a season ago. But yes, stay healthy. I thought DJ made a few throws. He just didn't put throws together. There's uh, on that first drive, on that first touchdown drive, he had a he rolled out to his right, escaped pressure, uh, rolled out to his right, looked very comfortable, looked very sure of himself, and just heaved one, dropped a dime. I mean, it was beautiful. When you see the behind the quarterback view of it, it's like, whoa, there's the, there's the five-star throw and yeah. then the touchdown throw to Justin Ross. You're like, okay, maybe this, maybe they figured something out. Maybe DJ has settled in a little bit. He's getting comfortable. Nope, that was all, <laughs> that was all gone in the blink of an eye. And he had a couple of other moments, a couple of other throws throughout the game, but th- there were moments where he looked comfortable with the pressure and he was getting out of the pocket and he was running around and he wasn't panicking and he felt like he was good to go. And then there were other moments where the pressure was too much. The um, He was thinking too much. I, that's where I think this issue is for him is they're not finding what works for him. They're asking him to do things. This is my guess. They're asking him to do things or they're still trying to figure out what he's comfortable with, what he's not comfortable with. You'd think they'd have it figured out through more than four games, but maybe they're thinking he's comfortable with things that he's not actually is. Because there were two plays, and I already talked to you about this, but there were two plays at the 10-minute mark of the second quarter where it 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 doesn't look like he's dialed in. It, it looks like he's thinking too much the way he scrambles around and runs right into traffic and then runs right into his offensive line back to back plays and it, that are sacks. And you're just like, Oh, that, that wasn't, that wasn't NC state making a play. That was DJ being silly. And yeah. so no, yeah, good. no credit to NC state for, for capitalizing because that you have to capitalize. West Virginia didn't capitalize NC state capitalized. Absolutely. Um, uh, Tennessee, Florida. Woo. I, this is Way another one. Balls. How about, yeah. an, how about a, you know, uh, being impressed and impressed is probably too strong a word, but at the same time, Tennessee's been bad. Tennessee's not been fun. And at least right now they're throwing the ball down they're the field, trying so to fun. They're, they're, they're fun. They've got pieces They're They seem to be having fun and that's a big step in the right direction for them. Go ahead. No, no. I, I was going to say the exact same thing. Like they were fun to watch. They just don't have the dudes right now. They lost so much. Yeah. Not they enough lost, of them. They lost. They lost so much this off. You know, this off season, the transfer portal. You know, there hasn't been a team hit more from transfers out outside of Nebraska than Tennessee. And, um, you know, I, look, I, I, I didn't necessarily think Tennessee was going to win this game. I didn't think Tennessee needed to to win this game. Here's what I think Tennessee did do, though. <laughs> they kind of continued to show some of the things that I have concerns about with Florida. Um, I don't know if that felt if you felt that way at all, but like Emory Jones, you know, I'm not saying this. This is coming from Will Miles, uh, uh, co-host of the Gator Breakdown, um, huge Georgia or huge Gator fan. I wish he was a Georgia fan. Um, huge Gator fan and uh, talk is very very critical of his team, very realistic. I mean, he said that Emory Jones has not really even played a full 
he he's played one great half of football all year. Um, and I kind of think that here too, like he they, they ran really, he ran really well, but he still cannot throw his team to victory, and it's not going to matter now. It may matter in two weeks when they play LSU, but this team, this this offense is getting better. Uh, Florida, it, it's, it, I've seen it get better each week, but there is still there is just still this lingering. Man, this isn't necessarily. I, I don't know if this is going to work all year on everybody. You know, right? And that's that's the thing. Like at some point, how many teams left on their schedule are going to be able to push them to a point? to make Emory Jones throw to win the ball game. How how many teams are left that could potentially disrupt the running game for a quarter or two or three? How many teams are left that can force Emory Jones to be uncomfortable or to do what they don't want him to be able to do? Because as of right now, as long as he continues to run for 144 yards and the other running backs continue to run and and you can go 21 of 27 for 209 yards, then that's Gucci. That's exactly where, as the young kids would say, that's exactly <laughs> where uh, that's exactly where Dan Mullen wants the offense to be. Emory Jones uh, throwing the ball 27 times, but for 209 yards, and it not being anything super threatening, nothing super difficult, just not easy throws, but stuff that he's comfortable with and he's able to do as long as the ground game is available, and it was available again here. Then, um, then, then everything's fine. Everything's going to be good. I think when this game was close and Tennessee had a 14 to 10 lead, they might have had a drive two, three, where they were disrupting the ground game a little bit and they were getting a stop or two and they were able to make it 14 to 10. From there, Florida made adjustments defensively, shut it down, no more points the rest of the night for Tennessee, and Emory Jones was able to sort of slide by, back into a comfortable position and operate the uh, the operate the offense the way they want him to. Yeah, like I, I still think there are some issues with ten, with Florida on tackling in the open field at times. But man, I got to give credit to Grantham for another week in a row. Like he did not let any more of that fancy motion and <laughs> those mesh routes screw with his defense the rest of the game. Um, so good on him for making those adjustments. Um, this Florida team is one of those teams that like, I kind of don't know what to think about them. You know. I think they're good. I don't think they're as good as they were last year, and I don't necessarily know who they can beat. You know, and I don't mean that on their schedule. I mean against the field, right? Like I don't, I don't know where they like. I can they be? Could they be number eight or nine in the country? You know, ranking wise or ten, or do they deserve to be eleven, twelve, thirteen, something like that? Like I, I just wrestle with that. I don't know where they belong. Um, uh, and th- and then another game. Uh, which you and I both, you know, we both took, uh, we both got right here. Uh, Notre Dame and Wisconsin are in the ugliest rock fight of a game for about three quarters. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) Notre Dame's, Notre Dame's defense opens up a can on, uh, on Wisconsin and scores, uh, they score 31 points in the fourth quarter, 21 points, I believe were scored off turnovers uh, in the fourth quarter. And Notre Dame, goes to um, Soldier Field and wins 41-13. Yeah, so I kind of was thinking about this game in two halves, or at least in two parts, uh, not halves in terms of equal parts, but just two parts of 24-13. to And I was kind of like, that's where 
this game was one for Notre Dame in terms of that's how we sort of envisioned that game ending is potentially 24 to 13. Somebody finds some throws. Somebody makes enough plays through the air and it gets separated there at the end and somebody wins by 11. That was very plausible. That was very understandable. I even thought that Notre Dame could do that. I thought that they'd be the team to be in a position similar to that uh, and, and win it that way. And so you had that for a good portion of the ball game, or at least right there towards the end of the third quarter, Notre Dame goes up 24-13, or exactly whenever they went up. Point is, they go up 24-13, and you're kind of like, okay, that might be it. That That's probably the ball game right there. And then the fact that Wisconsin was struggled on offense cool. had them at 13 points. So the bad. fact that Wisconsin started being bad on offense led to the 21 points on turnovers, and they've got a mess on their hands now, it looks like, at uh, at Wisconsin. Or at least you could paint that picture with that second half or that second part of what I'm talking about. Dude, like really quickly, just like I know we're going to talk about their game here in a minute. You know they're still a favorite against Michigan this weekend at home? That that has to be a Jim Harbaugh doesn't that, get it done in big games kind of thing, right? That line, that line opened up with Wisconsin as a favorite, one-and-a-half-point favorite, I think, against oh, wow. Notre Dame this weekend. Or, I mean, against I Michigan. Um, okay, I don't, really, I don't know where they'd see that. Yeah, me neither. Uh, w- really quickly, Iowa State disappoints against Baylor, as we talked about. Um, Michigan State could have been another team that we mentioned about most impressive. Mel Tucker getting it freaking done. Yeah, that's, that would have uh, been the right answer there, too. Just, just so, so impressive. Because you, you want to talk about – He's not like at Arkansas where Pittman has Broyles as the OC and Barry Odom has his DC. You know, like there, there's there's holes that we were worried about, and they don't have talent. They don't really have a lot of talent on that Michigan State team, but he is getting every drop that he can out of them. Um, but the game I want to just – well, first let me mention this. We were both right about UCLA. They bounced back incredibly well. Um, I'm a little worried about DTR. I've not seen whether he's going to be back or not. Um anytime soon because he got injured at the end of that game. Um, but the game I want to end with really quickly is a game that neither, like you and I, didn't give any credit to. We picked it because it was there. Dude, is Georgia Tech for real? <laughs> Georgia Tech, your 2021 ACC champions. So, I... I, I I don't know what to think, but Georgia Tech looked really good on defense, and Sims came in, uh, came in the game after it started, and just started dealing, bro. Just was dealing. And For the second week in a row, they looked good on defense. They did, and this team in Sim- with Sims, like, like I told one of my students, is a huge, um, huge North Carolina fan. Another one's a huge North Carolina fan, or uh, one's a huge Tech fan, one's a huge North Carolina fan. I was telling them like the Sims that I saw in that game is exactly why is exactly why Kirby tried to recruit Jeff Sims to Georgia. Like, the, I mean, he played he played great in that game. He did. Yeah, it was all of like ten of twelve, and and ran for hundred yards, and, and uh, obviously Just, maximized the the twelve attempts that he had. had um, ten carries, one hundred twenty eight yards, and three touchdowns. You know, like, that's just super impressive. Georgia Tech, continue to roll on, man. Uh, like, I don't know. I don't know if this is real or not. Um, I don't know what's real. 
about about you as far, but I do know this: in a conference that's wide open like the ACC right now, um, teams like Georgia Tech, NC State, Wake Forest, and I would even say Virginia Tech to a degree, it, it's all up for grabs for them. And also, let's throw this out there as well: Miami is still there in the wing and still has a chance to. They've got two losses, but one's out of conference. So, um, one last thing for this Georgia Tech and uh, North Carolina game. Please. Uh, it was Jeff Sims versus Sam Howell, two quarterbacks that had been committed to FSU and are not at FSU. As they start the season off 0-4 and, and have had really bad issues with the quarterback position, and um, it's, been a, it's been a tough go of it there in Tallahassee, and kind of thought that was interesting that you had uh, – Jeff Sims versus Sam Howell in a game where both of those guys at one point were committed to FSU. And um, the Tallahassee is in the hole they're in now because they have had so much issues recruiting so many positions, but quarterback being one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so, look, let's go to, let's go to week. Let's go to this, this upcoming week. Um, we've got a butt ton of games, Spencer, um, to cover. And uh, I've got the games in front of me, but I want to pull up the list that you gave me uh, earlier this week of who we were, what games we were going to pick. All right, so we're just going to go down the list of your games that you gave me. Um, all right, first, let's start off with Iowa at Maryland. Iowa's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It's a Friday night, 8 o'clock game. I will be at the Braves game, hopefully seeing them clinch, because I, I, I know they can clinch if they sweep this series, but I would really like for them to lose one so they win on Friday uh, <laughs> and uh, I get to be there. And I get to be there. Dude, Corey's never don't been talk like that. I don't care. Don't talk like that. Corey's never been to Truist. I want to be there with him whenever I, they when they clinch. I don't I don't care. Okay. All right, listen. I love you, Corey, to, but I don't yeah. care. I'm taking Maryland. Um I don't think they have an offense uh in Iowa. Like they won against they won, they won against Iowa State because of, like, five turnovers. Um, a, an Iowa State team that has just not showed up this year, and they're going up against a Maryland team that has, at least offensively. Like, Maryland looks really good on offense. Talia Tukavaloa has 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns already this season. Um, their defense is only allowing 14 points a game so far this year, Spencer. They are they're eighth in the country in passing yards per game. They're they're only averaging about 166 on the ground, but they're scoring 37 points a game. And they're at home. This is a weird Friday night spot. Give me Maryland to finally shut this crap up about Iowa. Yeah, no, this would definitely be a spot to pick a. Uh, to pick an upset because it's Friday night. We saw North Carolina fall on a Monday night in their game against uh, Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. So this would be a perfect spot for that. 37 points a game for Maryland. However, only 25 points a game in their two games against Power 5 opponents. And this is probably going to be Iowa's best test in terms of an offense. Yeah, because they've got – they're going against Dante Demas and Rakeem Jarrett who possibly and, and and also I'll throw Deshaun Jones out there who are possibly the three best wide receivers that Iowa has seen this year. Um yeah. but keep going. Sorry, I just wanted to add to that. No, no, no. It's a good it's a good point. Uh 51 points off turnovers for Iowa. Maryland doesn't have a lot of turnovers. Uh so what does this look like uh from a cuz Maryland is obviously going to be facing their toughest defense. So how do they respond 
to certain moments is their er- are their errant throws. Tulia uh, Tongavailua has been uh, inconsistent before. So, you know, what does he do in terms of when thing when you know when the heat gets turned up? I don't love this. I don't love picking Iowa here. Don't. But I I don't <laughs> like. I, I'm not talking out of this one. Like this one isn't like my my confident about Clemson. This is about. I think the balance needs to be restored to the force here. We cannot continue. You don't want to talk to Eli about an undefeated Iowa. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> do not want to tell my son about an undefeated Iowa team that is currently uh, 125th in the country, Spencer, in offense. They are are 105th in the country in rushing yards, 113th in the country in in passing yards. They're playing, as we already discussed, a semi-top defense this uh, this season in in the Maryland uh, Terrapins. Like, if they win this game, I have to shut up, right? Yes. Like if like if they win this game, I have to shut up. You mean, like I mean, I'm going to do the whole podcast next week by myself? Is that what we're saying here? No, no but I, I mean I I've got to quit with my Iowa hate, even though sure, I, yeah, no. I like. Well, at some point you expect this the offense to find itself. I mean, there's good pieces on the offense. Spencer Petrus is not a bad quarterback. He's not playing super well right now, uh, but there's plenty of potential around his name. Tyler Goodson is a good running back, averaging 100 yards, five yards a carry, five touchdowns. He's doing well. He seems to be about the only thing that's doing well uh, for that group. Oh, they only scored 30 points against Kent. They only scored 30 points against Kent. Like, Kent, it, Kent, Kent's got that defense, man. Bruh, so apparently <laughs> so does Maryland. They only scored 24 points against Colorado State this past weekend. They were down to Colorado State early to this in this game. If they get down on Maryland at Maryland on a Friday night, like Maryland, Maryland could expose them. I think they've already exposed themselves. Well, I mean, I agree with that, but I, so we don't linger on this. I'm picking Maryland. Who you going with? I'll go with Maryland as well. Okay, we're not picking. We're not picking that game until the end. Um, all right, Ole Miss at Bama. Ooh. Gives me all tingly inside. Um, I'm gonna let you start because because I I have I have I have rough feelings about this game. Florida rushed for 246 yards and four touchdowns, 5.7 yards per carry against Alabama. 5.6 yards a carry in the first quarter, 4.3 in the second quarter, 7.7 in the third, and six yards a carry in the fourth. Florida did whatever they wanted on the ground most of the, uh, you know, according to that, all afternoon. Um, So the three things that really helped Florida out in their game against Alabama, defense, running the football, uh, held Alabama to 10 points over three quarters. So defense, running the football, and then I think we would look at the quarterback position and say, how did they do in the throw game? And in a lot of ways, you could say the defense – picked up the slack after giving up 21 points. They picked up the slack and only allowed 10 the rest of the way. Emory Jones didn't necessarily seem to to pick up his slack as well as the defense picked up theirs. So you could say it kind of came down to they didn't have the quarterback play. Ole Miss yeah. has got quarterback play. The question for Ole Miss is can the defense hold up their end? Are they going to be able to pick up slack? Are they going to be able to make adjustments and figure things out? Because – this Alabama offense is playing super well, and last year it was a marathon between these two teams. P- 
part of me says Matt Corral was playing well enough that he could be the difference maker. And I think you and I would agree, and most people would agree, that of those three things, running game, defense, and quarterback, to beat Alabama having all three of those things firing, defense could be the one that is pulling up the the rear end with the quarterback position over, you know, filling up the space, if that makes sense. Uh, overcompensating, making up for. Ole Miss has that. There's a strong part of me that wants to pick Ole Miss right now because I don't, and with our picks, the history of our picks, I don't pick against Alabama very often. I'm very much willing to do it right here, right now. But you know Nick Saban has, can I, has been toiling on this for a long time. All right, can I can I give you some can I give you some stats that may help you with your decision? Because please you, respond. You, you don't seem confident, and I I, don't I, know, I, don't I want to do it. I just have yeah. to push myself out there. I have right. no I have stuff in my in, that I that I that I like about this. Ole Miss runs yes. the ball really well. Well, that's what I want to kind of bring up. Their leading rusher, Jerion Ely, mm-hmm. only has 188 yards rushing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, on dig, on dig deeper, grasshopper Spencer uh, on 31 carries only has 188 yards rushing, has has only one touchdown. But here's here's the thing that uh, that I'm leaning on. They they're only allowing 20 points per game this season, okay? Which is which is pretty darn good. However, let me tell you who they've played. Louisville, who we've seen be two different teams in in four between four games. APSU, who is that? That's not oh Austin PA and Austin two, Austin, Austin PA. P. Austin P and then Tulane. Tulane. It's a decent Louisville team and a decent Tulane team. But but that but no, that's decent. My point. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll call them decent. But it's also a Jekyll and Hyde Louisville team who in that game did not look good. And like basically, if you remember, if I I'm gonna click on it really quick, like I think they were getting blown out early. Yeah. They were getting blown out early and made a comeback at the end. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it was twenty six nothing at half because they looked so bad and couldn't do anything. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't like play on defense. It was the four ejections. Four four players were targeted. You know, got ejected for targeting in that game at, by halftime. Uh, Malik Cunningham could not connect on a pass early on in that game. I, I just, I'm not saying they can't score points. I yeah, know they I was can't say Ole Miss. I, didn't have a lot under the. I'm sorry. Didn't have a lot on their resume when they went into Alabama last year. Go ahead. Uh, absolutely, but Alabama's defense wasn't that good last year. Pass like on e- on either stopping or stopping the run or the pass. This year they seem to really only have trouble with stopping the run, and that's really only one game. One game they had trouble with with the run, and it was the option. And yes, I do understand that Matt Corral will probably run the option, but whenever you're telling me that a team has to be able to run the ball cons- consistently to be able to to win this game against Alabama I'm going to I'm going to say what else can you do can you only, like besides run the ball what else can you do and if they can't stop Alabama I think Alabama wins this game because Alabama does have dudes everywhere they with that said I have to be honest here, like Ole Miss is average, like they're fourth in the country in rushing yards with 298 yards per game. They're just not getting it from their running back, only from their running back. 
five players are averaging 42 yards or better per game on the ground. That's, yes. that's uh, Snoop Connor, Matt Corral, mm-hmm. Henry Parrish, and Jerrion Ely. And and they, they do it with spread, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they do it with spread. And again, they're doing it against a bad – at that, the day of, a bad Louisville team, Austin P, and then Tulane. And then and, – and also the reason why Florida was able to run the ball is because they were literally overpowering Alabama's D-line and offensive line. I don't think Ole Miss can do that. I just don't think they can. And look, he, here is the one hang-up, though. Um, in in all of this, Ole Miss has had a bye week to get ready for this game. Mm-hmm. If this game was straight up, like if it was just hey, both all four, you know, both them, both teams have played four games, I'd probably feel pretty confident picking Alabama. Because dude, they're still even with all of that. Vegas knows something, man. They're fourteen and a half point favorite. Bama. Yeah. Wonder what the spread was last year. Oh, I bet it was a butt ton. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was. It was like it was like twenty. It was like twenty three, twenty two or twenty three points. Yeah. Like I'm, a, I'm I, I know I'm, Nick Saban will have adjustments. He's, yeah, I know that. But you know Lane knows that too. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. and you know Lane's gonna have something, and they've been working on things. Matt Corral's playing as 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 probably the best quarterback in the league in, in the country right now, at least arguably. 997 yards, nine touchdowns, 68%, zero interceptions, 332 yards through the air, another 52 on the ground, and five touchdowns on the ground. They, they might not overpower and run the option and do it the exact same way that Florida did it, but you got to figure Lane's going to figure something out, and this is going to be another shootout. And, and I can't guarantee you Ole Miss is going to win. Certainly won't, not against Bama, but – I ex- I fully expect Ole Miss to push this game just like they did it last year. I don't know if they'll win, but I fully expect them to push it. I also think being at Ole Miss helped a lot. Um, look, I, I just I just think this Alabama defense is built to stop this kind of offense. Um, oh my gosh, no! Lane Kiffin has had a whole week to get ready for this game. I just – it's Alabama. It's at home. How many times is how, – how many times has freaking Saban lost at home? Probably not a lot. Ole Miss has been one of the teams that have gotten them. Ole Miss and, yeah. Ole Miss and good old Hugh Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good loss I guess, on Friday. I guess, jo- I guess Johnny Manziel got him. Yeah. Look, man, I'm going to go Bama. I, I'm just – I'm going to lean on what I know, and what I know is that – Alabama can still throw the ball like crazy. Yep. They Bryce Young has 15 touchdowns. Yeah, he has 15 touchdowns, 1,100 yards already. They can run the ball if they need to. But also the return uh, – someone returned this past week uh, as far as a pass catcher, I'm, and I'm not going to remember who it is right now that I'm trying to remember it. So I'm trying to pull up the game real quick. Um, Billingsley. Billingsley. Yeah, Billingsley returned this week, which is, apparently was just like a huge deal. You could tell that it was a huge deal. Um I heard it more that Billingsley is starting to round into what Nick Saban wants. But yeah. either way, he's he's playing better. Yes. So, you know what, man? I'm, I, you know, I feel, I'm now talking it out. I feel more and more confident. Give me Alabama. I don't step out on a limb very often. What, yeah. what, what do you feel confident in I, that makes you I, I don't 
I don't love stepping out on a limb against Alabama either. So I'll uh, I'll go I'll go Bama only because it's Bama. But if this was anybody else, uh, I'm I'm super close to picking Ole Miss just because I feel like if any of of the people who have pushed those that group, Nick, Lane Kiffin did it right away. Lane Kiffin did it in his first year, albeit a pandemic season, albeit that that stuff might have played a factor, sure. But man, and it'll be it'll be catastrophic if 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 Ole Miss gets stomped in some sort of way this weekend. At least it'll be catastrophic to me if he gets stomped in some sort of way this weekend. But yeah, that that that's I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like, which one which one's more likely? Is it? Is it Ole Miss to go in as a 14-point underdog and beat Alabama, or is it Alabama at home put things together and lay it on Ole Miss now that defenses are playing playing better and Ole Miss has played three teams that I don't think are actually very good? Yeah, it's hard to tell. It, it really is just yeah. because I think Ole Miss is different on offense under Matt Corral, and it might not matter, you know. Like, like we expect with Georgia. Georgia's, yes. We expect Georgia to be taking steps forward that it doesn't matter who they're playing against. They're taking yeah. steps forward, and I feel like Ole Miss is in that same realm. But I'll, I'll, I'll pick Bama. But. Look, and I'm not saying Ole Miss doesn't have a chance. Like, I, I will not be surprised if Ole Miss wins this game. I just I, – I'm not confident in, in, in Ole Miss being – I think they're good. I don't know if they are – I don't know if they're ready. To win this, and and defensively they may not be. I might be yeah. underselling the value of what Florida did defensively to hold them to just ten points. I might be undervaluing uh, that effort that they had, thinking Matt Corral could potentially make up the difference, and maybe he can. But that would yeah. be that would probably be a very superhuman performance. If anybody could do it, Matt Corral could do it. But yeah, it's a lot to ask for. Okay, Auburn, Auburn LSU. Auburn at LSU. It's at night in Baton Rouge. Give me LSU because I think Auburn is broken, and I don't think they're very good. Yeah, this this past weekend was pretty disappointing. I was, uh, you know, I've been hopeful for for Bo Nix, and I don't know what happens. Obviously, you play that emotional game against Penn State, you lose it, you come into this week, and things just don't go right, and you don't handle things not going right very well, and and that. Brian Harson has a big decision on his hands this week, figuring out who's going to start at quarterback. And with all that turmoil, um, you know, it's probably not going to go well uh, for Auburn this weekend. I'll take LSU because the throw game is it's probably going to come down to throwing the football. Both defenses stop the run really well. Auburn's is stopping the run very well. Um, even against Penn State, they were able to stop the run fairly well. And uh, if they're able to do that here against uh, LSU and then LSU does it to, to Tank Bigsby and company, I like Max Johnson to be the difference maker. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Um, I, I just I think LSU is better. I think LSU is quietly a, a, a becoming better and better a good a good team. And Max Johnson having 15 touchdowns and over 1,100 yards is pretty impressive um, at Baton Rouge at night. And again, I think Auburn. I, I think Auburn's just not a good team. Um, Um, all right, next game, Texas, Texas um, at TCU. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought TCU was good, and then last week happened. Um, 
what did happen because it catch me up because I did I missed it a little bit. I have not been able to look at the Horn Frogs quite as much as I would have liked to because I agree. I think we've both been fans of TCU from the preview conversations, and it's not started out quite the way. No. Um, okay, I'm I see just, it now. Forty-two thirty-four loss to SMU. Yeah, buddy. Ouch. Give Give me Texas. I think they figured things out, man. I think I think they made the right quarterback change. Um. I think, I th- yeah, I think this team, I think this, I think, look, I don't know how good the Texas team is, but I know they're better than what TCU is. Give me, give me, give me Texas. Yeah, and it's just one game for TCU, and you feel like they should be able to bounce back. They're running the football fairly well. I don't like Max Duggan carrying the ball so much. I wish they would get away from that and yep. let those carries go to the guys that should be carrying the football. But I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on TCU. I will pretend to or I will know that I have seen a lot of uh what's the kid's name uh Casey, Casey Thompson sure yep against a bad Texas Tech team but Benjamin Robinson that running game I've I've been sold on them for a long time um give me Texas and uh, uh SMU ran the ball for 350 yards this past week uh, I imagine Benjamin and, and, and company are licking their lips, and uh, as is Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, give me Texas. All right. Cincinnati at Notre Dame. Whew. This game. Um, look, the easy pick is after a big win like last week is just say Notre Dame. Notre Dame's going to win this game. And Cincinnati went on the road and won, won at an Indiana team that we kind of realized isn't that great either. This year, Cincinnati, though, I don't know if you knew this. Cincinnati is actually a two and a half point favorite on the road at Notre Dame. Yeah, no, nobody likes Notre Dame right now. Um, and in and, terms and look, of bet, like betting on them and, yeah. and that sort of thing. Notre Dame's defense is so freaking good. And here's the thing. The former D.C. of Cincinnati is currently the D.C. at Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame had to spend that entire ball game last week fighting and clawing and clawing and fighting. Like they've been in a moment where the their offense, like they're kind of used to it a little bit that, hey, this is on us. Our offense yeah. is not superhuman this year. They're still figuring things out on their end. Hopefully they get it figured out. But we're they're sort of used to being in that position. Uh, and who knows? You could certainly talk about a, a hangover from last week's emotional win, but at the same time, the way that fourth quarter went, maybe it's a jolt. Maybe it's a it's an extra gear for Notre Dame going into this game for with, with Cincinnati. Yeah, and 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 also, like, I, I, also I don't know who's going to play quarterback for Notre Dame. Is it Jack Cohn? Is it the third string quarterback who came in against Wisconsin? It, you know, Cincinnati also had a bye week. You know, they they rested last week. Before going in, you know, before this slugfest that Notre Dame just had with Wisconsin, the thing is this: I don't know if Cincinnati's defense is as good as Wisconsin's has been, but I also know that Cincinnati's defense is better than Toledo's, and Toledo almost beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Give me Cincinnati. Yeah, it's hard not to. You mentioned the slugfest. You mentioned going toe to toe. You mentioned, uh, I'm sorry. Going toe to toe like they did with with Wisconsin, kind of being a a real fist fight 
uh, and wearing them down, I, I guess is what yeah. I'm, I'm trying to say. It's a body reference. blow theory. It's a body yeah. blow theory. You yeah. know, like yeah. it's like the teams who play Bama or the teams who play, you know, play Georgia or the teams who even heck we used to play the Paul Johnson, Georgia tech teams, you know? Um, yeah. Give me Cincinnati, dude. Yeah. I like Cincy too. Uh, I don't think it's very clear where everybody is. I guess the thing that's holding me up the biggest is that Cincinnati's game against Indiana wasn't pretty. You know, Cincinnati's yeah. had their their moments of having to play kind of sloppy or struggle through playing sloppy. Notre Dame's got an interesting amount of fight in them. And this weekend, I think, sort of helps that. But like you said, at the quarterback spot, who's who's playing quarterback? And that seems to be out uh, at the moment. They don't. If Jack is healthy, Jack will be our starter, declared Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly on Monday. Um, Taylor felt really good on Sunday. Taylor uh, Buncher felt really good on Sunday at treatment. So that's good for us. Allows him to get back into the mix. Yeah, give me Cincinnati. I've been kind of on them all season, and yeah, I don't want to jump off them now. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I mean, and you know that my dad is probably not going to like is probably not going to like that I'm picking against Notre Dame. I don't like picking against Notre Dame, but they're just they're they're just they're, they they have not shown themselves to be who we thought they would be at all this season. And I'm not saying Cincinnati is or has, but Cincinnati went into a hostile environment in Indiana and beat them. Notre Dame let Toledo literally take them down to a minute and 10 seconds left in the game. You know, originally we would have, we would have picked Oklahoma and KSU, but Skylar Thompson continues to not be healthy um, and probably will not play this week. Um, I'll just, I'm just going to stick. I'm going to stick with, Oh, actually, let me think. I think KSU can win. I'm going to pick Oklahoma, but I would definitely pick KSU to win that game. If Skylar Thompson was playing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, no, I think I heard that he was out. Um, yeah. I don't think this is where Oklahoma loses their footing, albeit, I guess, in a normal year, and this is supposed to be a normal year, supposed to be, this might be a prime spot for Oklahoma to fall flat on yeah. their face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so the next game, uh, two two games left, Michigan at Wisconsin. I do not care what Vegas says. I saw – I've seen I've, – I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen these teams play. Michigan is legit. Give me Michigan to go into Wisconsin and win that game. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stay pretty even kill here um, for our picks. I think we're we're uh, we're uniformic on everything. I just can't trust Graham Mertz right now, and I don't no. know if they're gonna improve him. It doesn't seem that there's been any improvement as the season has gone along. Uh, I mean, if, at least if Notre Dame had Jack Cohn, I'd feel a little bit better there um, because Jack Cohn has has done some good things through the air. Graham Mertz hasn't, and I don't know if they will. Um, the defense is really good, but this could be a big spot for Jim Harbaugh to, uh, to you know, to gain a, a feather in his cap and beat a solid team who's uh, – take advantage of a solid team who's having its issues on offense. Yeah. Okay. Last game. The game day game. The game that I will be at. A game that – you and I, you know, we're excited for, not excited for, excited for all offseason and coming into the season. Georgia 
hosts Arkansas um, at noon. What um, what are your feelings? Georgia is right currently. Let me look at this. They started off as a 19-point favorite. It has been bet down to 19 and a half. Too many yeah. people are because that means that's gone up to 19 and a half. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It was it started at 19 and a half, it is now 18 and a half. Okay. Then that means that people are betting are still betting Georgia. Um, I'm sorry, they're betting Arkansas because that's just too many points. That people I would think. expect Arkansas to cover 18 points. I would expect them to cover 18 points. All right. Um, and then, I, yeah. I'm, so, I'm just, I'm just being honest. I, I, I think Georgia wins this game. There's a part of me that thinks they cover. Um, looking at who Arkansas has played, again, they they struggled against Rice. Um, they they handled Texas, but it was Texas with a really bad quarterback situation, and they were able to run on them. They played Georgia Southern. They handled business, and they were able to run on them. Then they played AM, as we already talked about with that game. That is not the score is not what happened in that game. They, it's a ten point game. I mean, it's twenty to ten. It's not a yes. Yes, but people, not a blowout. but people talk about the game like it's a blowout, and you and I both know that it wasn't a blowout. KJ um, Jefferson is a fifty nine percent completion percentage quarterback who is averaging ten point eight yards an attempt in his passes, and there he has not. He has played. He has played a good defense in Texas A and M, who gave, who only really gave up two big plays the entire game. And there, the Argon, this Arkansas defense has yet to play an elite offense, or I'm sorry, they have yet to play an offense who can who has elite talent or someone who can make them do, make them adjust. They have yet to do that. Well, and that's and, kind of been my thought here is that. Um, the the tr- really and truly in a lot of ways the only differences between A and M and Georgia in terms of what they're capable of doing from a defensive standpoint and a running standpoint or an offensive standpoint is the quarterback position. We've already yes. said it. Calzad is not ready. He, no, he didn't win the job to begin with. He's only out there because Haynes King is hurt, and there's a good chance that Haynes King's not completely ready either in terms of you know facing all these teams. But he probably gives them a better chance. Point is. JT Daniels, in terms of being ready and reading defenses and being comfortable and blah, 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 experience, experience, JT Daniels is ahead of the game in terms of Calzada by light years. So they've yet to, they've let, yeah, they've yet to play an experienced or quality quarterback once this year. Right. They've yet to play a D, a, an offense that can do both, both run and pass the ball. And they've yet to play a team who has a has a good defense and a good offense. And Georgia has an elite defense and possibly a a, a good to really good offense. Give me Georgia at home between the hedges and for them to cover. Yeah, I um, I agree. I think I think Georgia's the pick here. Um, Arkansas too. You know how. How much longer – I mean, can they go the whole season upsetting everybody? You know, like, I mean, they have such a tough schedule. It's going to be a long road the, the whole way. It, it's tough to pull off this many upsets over and over and over again. At some point, it's – you know, it's going to catch up to you. Um, well, and, and I would argue that those weren't even – like, those aren't upsets that they won. They should have won those games. But there is a – there's a difference between 
winning those games and winning a top ten game. Because yeah. I because in retrospect, like I said, I, I we both picked A and M, but that's because we over we overvalued A and M. We didn't mm-hmm. undervalue Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Yes, we overvalued A and M. I'm not I'm not undervaluing Arkansas here. I'm looking at the fact that I think Georgia is just like if you go in if you go into Athens and you beat this Georgia defense, you beat this Georgia team. Heck, you deserve to be number one team in the country, as far as I'm concerned. And I just yeah. don't I don't see that happening. Yeah, um, KJ Jefferson's not been the thrower of the football uh, all season, and uh, we, we've said it with Florida, we've said it with a lot of other teams. You're going to have to be able to throw. Uh, in this league and, and the way the game is played these days. So Georgia probably uh, looks like it has the edge throwing the football. And uh, Arkansas has struggled there, and I don't expect them to move the ball on the ground. Like we mentioned, A&M was able to stuff the run game for three quarters of this ball game, at least two of the, of, of the four quarters, second and third, and even 3.8 yards of carry in the fourth. You know, that's, that's four yards, but yeah. I guess I'm trying to overload with stats so that it doesn't sound like we're just being homers, but um, I feel like this is kind of Georgia's ball game to lose. Also, just look, and I know the talent they've played against has not been the great. Okay, I just I just bashed Arkansas for the for the for the little holes and prods that I can make of the teams they've played against. Georgia's defense has given up 16 points and they have scored 16 points this year. Mm. Well, and and to go and to do. 35 points in one quarter. Um, you didn't do it with you did it with some turnovers, but you didn't do it scoring off like you didn't have interceptions returned for touchdowns. You you had to go on offense, um, albeit some short yardage. So probably don't matter. Maybe it's splitting hairs, but um, and look, I mean, Darnell look, Washington, Darnell Washington coming back this week. Arian Smith coming back this week. Tyke Smith coming back this week. Because that's what's happening. They're coming back this week. And potentially Dominic Blaylock comes comes back this week. This Georgia team continues to get healthy on offense with its playmakers. Darnell Washington and Blake, and Blake Bowers being on the field at the same time just gives me chills. Um, yeah, man. Arkansas is a really cool story, and they may be the second-best team in the SEC West. But I think they're about to run into a buzzsaw. I, I do not disagree. We're uniform. At, we've made all the same picks this week. Well, well, no one's going to get ahead. <laughs> no, that's true. All right, very good. Um, we may even add some picks as the week goes on, and maybe we'll post those um, yeah. just to sort of create some some differentials there. Um, yeah, we, we might we might look at doing that. I don't mind that idea at all. All right, um, be sure to follow us on uh, Instagram, Rob's, or on uh, Twitter, I should say. Rob, uh, your your handle? Uh, SpiderDude64. And then uh, Spencer underscore Van Horn, V-A-N-H-O-R-N, no E. And uh, be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. We do appreciate all of the uh, responses on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for those. And uh, two friends, one love, back to college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Later. Later.